Well, let's dive into what we have for today. Hope you have your Bibles open to John chapter 13. We're in this series called I'm In. It's this idea of looking at the decision points that come along in the life of our faith. Those moments where we decide, are we in? That's why we've got this dock up here. It's the symbol of jumping, that commitment that once you leave the dock, once you put yourself out in the air, you're in. You're, you're committed. You're sold out at that point. And we're looking at this through the lens of, or through the narrative of, the decision points made by one of the guys that followed Jesus from the very beginning. His name's Peter. And most of you have heard of Peter before you came to this room. You at least have some understanding that he was one of the tight followers with Jesus. And so Peter's the guy that we're looking at. And we've reminded ourselves as we've gone each day, and I want to remind ourselves again today, that when we look at Peter, it's easy for some of us to look at him and go, oh, he's larger than life. Oh, he's, he's a Bible hero. He, he's an apostle of faith. He's one of the ones that Jesus turned the, the church over to and said, take the mission forward. And if we're not careful, we start thinking that he sort of floats right above the ground. He doesn't actually touch the ground. And what we're seeing throughout this study is Peter was just a real guy. And he did some spectacular things, but he did them because he encountered Jesus. And so none of them are outside of our scope, outside of our what we could experience is following Jesus. And so you may come in today and you think, I, I'm no spiritual hero. I, I'm, I'm no giant of faith. In fact, I'm still trying to figure out the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's okay. You're where God wants you today because there's a message for you today. And... Today, I think, perhaps uniquely, we're going to talk about some of the other ways that Peter really falls flat and really what we would think would be a disappointment. But today, I want to show you where, where Peter tries to take a big leap because he thinks that what Jesus wants from him is always a big leap. And Jesus gently but directly redirects him. And says, it's not always about the big leap, Peter. But I, well, let's just get into the text and we'll show you how it unfolds there. John 13 is one of my favorite passages in all of, in all of Scripture. And what we have in this, let me set the stage for you, is that Jesus knows that the time is coming for him to go to the cross. And he's not surprised by the cross. He's not surprised. He's not confused about what's about to happen. In fact, he has great clarity on what's going to come in the next few hours. And so he is gathered with his closest followers, and they're partaking what's called the Passover meal. And the Passover was a special celebration still being practiced by faithful um, Jews today that, that commemorates the greatest... Uh, Exodus event, the greatest redemption event, when God delivered the slaves from Egypt into the promised land, into Israel. And so that was commemorated year after year after year. And it was a defining moment. You had those meals, those celebrations in your life, 
that really define who you are. You know, everybody has a certain set of traditions around Christmas, or everybody has a certain set of traditions around Thanksgiving, or perhaps you celebrate birthdays in a certain way. But everybody that's kind of tied to your family knows this is how we do it. This is what it means to be part of our family because we celebrate it in this particular way. That's what the Passover was. Except not just for a family, but for an entire nation of people. Throughout their history, defining who they were. Because they were a people of the Passover meal, it meant that they were a people of God. And Jesus is going to use this moment, and he's about to redefine everything for them. And he's going to take all of this symbolism and all of this meaning, and he's going to direct it in a new direction. And this is what Peter is going to, going to react to. So I read with the beginning, verse 1, chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come. Now this is how we know that he's not surprised. J- Jesus is aware, down to the hour, what's about to happen. It knew, the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world... He loved them to the end. Now, just pause there for a second. You may have a translation that says, He showed them the full extent of His love. He showed His complete love. If you write in your Bible or highlight in your app, I want you to circle that because that is going to be contrasted with what He's about to do just one second. Going on. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. There's another phrase I want you to highlight or circle. All things were under his power. Jesus knew this. So at this moment, Jesus is aware of some very significant things. One... That the time has come. He is about to face the cross. He's about to face his own execution. Two, he's also aware that at this moment, God has given him all authority, has put everything under his power. He is not only the most powerful person sitting at the table, the most powerful person sitting in the room, he's the most powerful person in the cosmos. Now, If you were the most powerful person in the cosmos, what's your next action going to be? What's your next move going to be? Because nobody expected his next step. Here's what he does. He gets up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist... And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter and said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And now we have this moment. Jesus scoots back, stands up, I'm sure all eyes were on him because he's the center of attention at this moment. And begins to take off 
his, the outer robe, the outer cloak that he's wearing, and goes and gets a basin of water, and goes and gets a rough towel. And what should have already been performed by somebody in that room, he begins to fill in the blanks. See, the lowest servant was always supposed to wash the feet. And you can imagine you would assign that job to the lowest servant because this is a almost exclusively pedestrian society and they're walking on dirt roads and there's lots of livestock around. You do the math. Okay? And so it's tradition, it's hospitality, it's good manners that when somebody comes to the meal... Somebody is assigned, nobody volunteers, somebody is assigned for the role to wash the feet. And you also have to understand that everybody's not sitting at tables the same way that we are, but that they're actually laid out. Tables were small, just kind of rises, and they'd prop up on one arm, they'd eat that way. And so somebody would go behind and wash the feet. It was there. Nobody ever raced for that job. Nobody ever said, oh, let me do it, let me do it. I remember being as a kid, I thought it was so cool the first time that Dad had me mow the lawn. I didn't think it was so cool the second time because I realized this is a lot of work. You know, it's hot and sweaty. Well, nobody was racing to this job said, oh, that's so cool, let me do that. Nobody was trying to elbow somebody else, going, let's get there. Somebody else is going to do it for us. But it's Jesus, the host of the banquet. And so this is blowing all protocol. Begins to go person by person by person, washing their feet. Can you just imagine how quiet the room got? Because the other Gospels tell us that what they were doing right before this moment is they were arguing now, I know your family never argues around dinner time, okay? But just imagine, they were arguing. And what were they arguing about? Who's the greatest among them? You've got Jesus sitting in the room, and yet we're still going to have an argument about who's the greatest among us. And so nobody was racing towards the servant spot. And yet here's Jesus doing the simple act of a servant. And he gets to Peter, and Peter, Peter's always going to try to one-up Jesus, or he's going to try to at least hold his own ground with Jesus. And he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replies, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Now, I'm just going to suggest, if you're ever in a conversation with Jesus... Don't disagree with him. It never works out for Peter. Okay? He's always going to try to come back at Jesus and come back at Jesus. And, come back at Jesus. and he's trying to, he thinks what he's doing is scrambling for the moral high ground or the holy ground of this thing. That, that I, can, I can come in one more higher or whatever. No, you're, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus replies, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. You can just probably hear Peter gulp at that moment. So he's going to change strategies now. Well, we went one way, let's go the other. What does he do? 
Then Lord replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. There's no, there's no middle ground with Peter. He goes back and forth. Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. Peter has these major swings back and forth. And at one moment, at one moment he's, he's no, you're not going to wash. And the next moment, he's like, well, then wash all of me. Jesus, I mean, Peter has got the idea that what Jesus wants is he wants drama. Jesus wants the dramatic. Jesus wants the big and the bold. And I think that we've all fallen for that, haven't we? That if I'm going to follow Jesus, it's going to be displayed in single events of courage. That it's going to be mighty and it's bold. That's what biblical heroes, that's what heroes of the faith are all about. And some of us look at that and we wonder, I, I, I don't know that I've got that. I, I, I don't know what it means to have that single moment where I'm going to stand up for Jesus and I'm going to face down the crowds that are coming at me or I'm going to sacrifice all and go be a missionary on a foreign soil leaving everything that I ever knew before. And all that's wonderful and I'm not knocking that. But I think some of us have the idea that it gets so far out of our reach and we want to be like Peter. Well, just do it all then. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. Peter, calm down. Because, I mean, this is Peter, the one that jumps out of the boat. This is Peter, the one that takes the sword in just a little bit to a prayer meeting. The one that's going to launch the church is also going to be faced down by a small little girl, too. But he thinks it's all got to be bold and mighty. And Jesus is about to remind me, that's not what following me looks like all the time. I want you to wash feet, Peter. I, I want you to have the simple thing of washing one another's feet. So here's what I would say is this. For most of us, the invitation to follow Jesus is not a single dramatic event, but a daily decision to love and serve others. It's a daily decision to love and serve others in the washing of feet. And there's not a whole lot more glamour in washing feet now than there was then, is there? I mean, some of you go, feet, gross, no thanks. And what Jesus is saying, are you willing to do the things that's not glorious? The thing that's not going to bring you prestige? That's going to go unseen by so many? But will you do the faithful step of love and serve day after day after day? Jesus is the one that says, will you pick up my cross and follow me? Now, Again, that sounds very dramatic. I mean, the crucifixion is obviously a dramatic event. I mean, that's bold, that's mighty, that's fierce. 
But he says, will you pick up your cross daily and follow me? And it's a decision every single day that we're going to follow this model of Jesus. Not to the drama of it all, but to the countless, unseen, thousands and thousands of disciples every day that are doing these acts of service. This washing of feet, this seeing a need that's not being met and meeting a need. And stepping into the gap. And going where we humble ourselves. That's the call. Every single day. Can you imagine what that would do to your world? If you began to treat others like that. Can you imagine what that would do to you if everybody around you put that in practice? You'd sign up for that, wouldn't you? That's what Jesus is calling us to. The I'm in is a simple knot that says, I'm in to wash feet every day. He goes on. Pick up verse, verse 12 here. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very true, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know that these things, you will be blessed if you do them. No messenger is greater than the one who sent. No, ma- no servant is greater than the master. What's Jesus doing? He's given us the model by which we're to live. Because we start thinking that everything is all about us. We have this unbelievable ability to start working our way right back into the very center of our faith. And we start asking questions about our faith of what's it do for me? What, what, what do I get out of it? What, what's the payoff for me? And when we do, we start taking our eyes off of all those around us that we could serve. And Jesus is saying, I've done this for you. If you're looking for the way to follow me, you go do this for others. You find ways to literally and metaphorically wash the the feet of those around you. Find a way to serve. Find a way to become the servant of all. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. That's the example that we've been given. I, I really wrestled with how do I dress this up in some way. This is one of those ones, it's just plain. It's a really straightforward deal. But what we keep bumping into is, we keep bumping into ourselves in this one, don't we? I mean, we're just like the disciples sitting around the table. Somebody should come by and wash these feet. The place is starting to stink. And Jesus is the one that begins that practice of walking around and showing us how it's done. And then I bump into myself again because I go, yeah, but I'm going to get taken advantage of now. Because there's people out there, well, you know, there's some people that I don't mind serving. 
there's a lot of people I don't mind serving because I know that when I serve, there's going to be a reciprocation coming back. That I'm going to get something out of the deal. You know, if nothing else, I can remember doing this as a teenager. So here's a confession. Please do not let it leave the room, okay? When I was part of the youth group, I can remember that we'd go and have a mission trip. And at the end of the mission trip, I knew there was going to be a time where we'd gather in a circle and we'd say, how did you see Jesus and somebody else? I tell you what, I lived for that moment. Well, and Scott, I've seen him this way. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't appreciate affirmation or something from somebody else. But I knew what I was doing. I was trying to get in there and live so, serve in such a way where I'd get the gold star or the pat on the back. And I've had to wrestle with what's it like now to serve, not just somebody that, well, what happens to serve if you're not appreciated? What happens to serve if you're taken advantage of? What happens if you serve if you're, uh, if it's somebody that you can't stand? If it's an enemy. Because see, here's what's powerful about the moment around the table. Jesus didn't just watch Peter's feet. He washed Judas's feet. His betrayer. He washed the one that was going to turn him over to the Romans very shortly. Turn him over to the Sanhedrin. He washed his feet. So here's what I have for you. Is this. We don't serve someone because they earned it or deserve it. We serve because they need it. That's what Jesus did. We serve because we need it. But what about being say, somebody saying thank you and at least appreciating? Because if I serve them, I know what kind of person they are. If I serve them, they're never going to turn around and say thank you. Or I serve them and they never said thank you. So I got an extra one for you this week then. Here's a pro tip. Here's a pro tip on how you can follow Jesus. How can I serve someone that does not show appreciation? Just remember, you were never doing it for them anyway. You're always doing it for Jesus. If you see whoever it is you're serving at the moment, not that I'm serving them, but I'm serving my king, that begins to reframe it, doesn't it? I'm serving the one that I profess to follow with my life. That begins to change things, doesn't it? That begins to rework it some. And so every act of service is not an act for the person that you're in front of, the person whose feet you're washing. It's a worship to the one that first washed our feet. He finishes this way, back in the Scriptures. A new command I give you. This is, Peter, this is Jesus talking again. A new command I give you. Now remember, they've just celebrated the Passover, and Jesus has washed, washed their feet, and he said, I want you to go and do this. I want you to be a, the people that serve each other. And he says, I want to give you a new command. Now remember how strange this probably sounded the first of all. Because Jesus is about to give them more Bible. He's about to add to the Scriptures. He's about to change the Scriptures. He goes, I know you're faithful, but I'm going to tell you what it all boils down to. My commands, love one another. And then he puts this descriptor on it. As I have loved you. Remember, this is the one where back at the beginning it says, he showed them the full extent of their love, of his love. 
you show that. So you must love one another. He ends with this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus tells them, this is how you go forth from here. This is how I'm asking if you're in. Will you be the people that serve? Will you be the people that love one another? Notice he doesn't ask us, I need you to be the people that have the, the right worship style. I need you to be the people that have the right church governance. I need you to be the people that have the right ecclesiology. I need you to be the people that have the right fill in the blank. I'm calling you to be people that love one another as I have loved you. Can you imagine the power behind that if we were to live that out? What, what difference would that make in your family if you began to live this out, this love one another, whether or not we're going to get recognition, whether or not we're going to get appreciation, but we're going to serve one another. I, I've told you before, I have yet to have a couple show up in my office needing marital counseling because they're just sick and tired of the other ones serving them so much. That doesn't happen. Churches don't split because churches are, uh, churches that are trying to serve one another. So here's why this is so vital. Because our world needs some love right now, doesn't it? And it needs a group of people that are willing to stop all the fighting and the bickering and the yelling and the, the name-calling and everything else that's going on that I'm just sick and tired of, and I'm sure you are too. But the only weapon that we've been given is to take off our outer cloak, wrap a towel around ourselves, and get a water we get a basin of water and start washing feet. And so here's why this matters. Washing feet is our greatest witness to the world that Jesus is Lord. Because why else would a group of people endure that? If we want to prove people the world, it's not because we're going to make better movies. That's fine. It's not because we're going to have better arguments. That's great. I'm for that. It's not because we're going to have more knowledge. Slicker productions, better YouTube channels, any of that. Because there will be a people in the middle of all the chaos that keep showing up and serving. That keep showing up and serving. That keep showing up and serving. Regardless of race, economics, political party, and all the other labels that we try to apply. That's what Jesus is asking us to jump into. So here's the challenge for the week. Begin each day this week asking God to show you how you can serve someone that day and then follow through. Make it a prayer in the morning. Lord, show me today someone I can wash feet, I can serve. And then, give me the courage to follow through. Let that be for this week. Because we serve one that at the moment he was going to show his full extent of his love, he did with a towel and a bowl of water. And pray for us. 
Father, I know this one lands in so many different places because it lands so difficult with me because I want to do the great thing for you. I want to do the big thing and the bold thing. I want to do the thing that honestly brings me recognition. So, Father, I pray. I'm going to confess that. I'm going to ask that each person here that's hearing this, whether in this room or online, that you're doing a work in us right now, helping us to learn the lesson that Peter received that day. To be ones that reach over, instead of picking up our ego, picking up our pride, picking up whatever we're defensive about, we pick up a towel and we start to serve. Father, as we go through this week, would you open our eyes to very specific ways, ways daily that we can serve? Would you let us be those people? That we don't witness to the world because we shout louder, but because we serve quietly. And would you let us serve even the person, Father, that drives us up the wall. The one that gets under our skin. The betrayer in our lives, Father. Because that's what you did. Father, I'm so grateful that Jesus not only washed our feet, but then he laid down his life. So that we could pick up the cross and follow him. Ask all this in his name. Amen.